Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise His name, Lord. How many people is glad to be in His house today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Today, if you will, join me in Psalms 1 and verse 1. I'm going to read what's text and then we'll be seated and pray and then we'll be seated today. Psalms 1 and 1. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. If you will today, if you will join me today in prayer today, that God will touch me today, I'm going to talk to us for a few minutes about God blesses those who walks righteously. Let us pray. Lord, I ask you to touch us and anoint us today, Lord Jesus. I ask you to touch this earthly vessel. Lord, I ask you right now, Lord Jesus, to move through me right now, Lord Jesus, and touch me and anoint me tonight. Today, Lord Jesus, in this service, Lord Jesus, allow me to be a voice piece. Lord Jesus, to you, for you, Lord Jesus, to speak to this congregation, Lord Jesus, I ask you to touch each one under the sound of my voice today. Lord, allow them to be ministered to today, Lord Jesus, and touch us and anoint us, Lord. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated. God blesses those who walks with him righteously. In Scripture, I'm going to go back to Scripture. I'm going to actually the, the first six verses, if you want to keep your Bible open to Psalms 1 and 1. I'm on the first six verses, of the, or the, all the verses of Psalms 1. All six verses. I'm going to take them verses today and I'm going to break them down individually and talk to us about walking in righteousness. The counsel, we, it matters who the counsel or who we listen to. As Brother Brian said, he says it matters who we take our information from. It, it matters today who we receive instruction from. So many times in life, you know, it's easy to listen to the, the ones that are telling us what we want to hear. It's easy to listen to the ones that, 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 that pat us on the back. And it's easy to listen to the ones that just tells us exactly what we want to hear and what we want to do. And it's easy to listen to them. So, but we need to be careful who we listen to. We must be, to walk in the council, we must not walk in the council of the ungodly. We ask us today, can we change a defining moment in our life? I ask you this, that question. To begin, can we change a defining moment? Scripture repeatedly teaches us that we can. Over time, we can change our defining moments by allowing ourselves to be changed by God's word. God's word should be our direction for everything. Everything we do, we should, we should even if we get information, if we get guidance from someone else, we need to carry it to God's word. And if it don't line up with God's word, we need to, to check and see our source. And sometimes in life, you know, we, we cannot allow, over time, we can allow God's word to change our life. A good place to start today is in the book of Psalms. The book of, this book aims 
at the reformation of our soul. And it is dedicated to aligning our whole life to the will of God. If we align our life with the Psalms chapter 1, and the books of this book, or this chapter, if we align ourselves to this, through every verse, we'll find ourselves aligning ourselves with, and be walking in righteousness. In this effort, this begins its reformation in our life. Let us consider this book of Psalms. It tells us about a blessed man. And that blessed man is remembered for one thing. And that is he delights in the law of the Lord day and night. Blessed. You look at the word blessed. You may have a general idea of what blessed means. How many of us knows what we think about with blessed? We think about that. In common speech, the term could take on a meaning something like living the good life. Living the good life. That's what we feel like when we feel like we're blessed. We feel like everything is falling in place in our life. We may be getting the raise on the job, or we may feel like everything, the job is what we like to do, or we feel like we're living a blessed life because everything just seems like it's falling in place. But in biblical language, an amplified explanation of the Hebrew term would be something like this, being the object, being the object of God's affection and attention. It doesn't matter how good we feel like our life here on earth is. If it's not aligning with the word of God, if it's not in God's attention, if it's not, if it's not a, in God's affection, are we really living a blessed life? Are we really living a blessed life if it doesn't not line up with God? And I'm here today to tell us it doesn't. The, the, verse, the next word I wanted to define is the word not. You kind of say, well, that might seem kind of funny word to define. <laughs> but let us give us our full attention for a few moments. It is interesting that the first sentence of the great songbook, the book of Psalms of Israel, defines this a blessed man by what he does not do rather than what he does. The first line of the scripture is not talking about what he does. It talks about what he does not do. A blessed man's guidance does not depend on our worldly knowledge. His direction does not come from this world. His direction comes from on high. If he's a really true blessed man, his direction don't come from other mankind or it don't come from his fellow brothers. A true blessed man comes from his direction from God. The blessed man is defined first by what he does not do because he is saying no to the worldly voices in his life. He is saying no to his, even to his own wisdom. And to be a blessed man, we, cannot, we have to say no to what we feel like is right. And we must, and, I, and I'll keep repeating myself, but we, we, we must truly must make sure God is right in every decision we make. Being wise enough to choose between the voices in our life. That is how to be a blessed man. We must be, we be wise enough to choose what voices we are listening to in our ears. What voices we are aligning our life with. The word ungodly in the book of Psalms usually get, refers to people who act without a fear of God. And who takes advantages of people who are weaker than themselves. The ungodly in Bible times. These ungodly people. And so doing, they break the, the royal law of James 2 and 8. It says, if ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, and you do well. The royal law, or the, the law we should live by, if, if we treat everyone else like, like ourselves. Because I'm not, I'm not like everybody. I'm not, I don't know about everybody else, but I kind of love myself. 
You know, we go somewhere, the first thing we do is we try to look for the closest parking spot because we don't want myself to have to walk. I may need to walk that far, but so many times in life, you know, we've, we ride, ride around a parking lot three or four times trying to find the closest parking spot, waiting for somebody else to back out. And sometimes in life, we, you know, we love ourselves. So if we'll treat everybody else like ourselves, if we'll treat others like ourselves, you know, we do that by backing up or, or we allow someone to, in traffic to, to merge in front of us. You know, I get into kind of road rage here sometimes, but, but sometimes in life, you know, we, 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 me and my wife, we talk about it when we're riding down the road. I feel like I'm being a Christian today. I'm letting someone get in front of me. <laughs> I feel like being a Christian today because I allowed them to pull out of the parking spot. Or Sometimes in life, you know, we joke about that, but there's so much truth to that. But that's, if we leave that into our spiritual life, if we'll really refer our brother. If we'll truly refer our brother, then treat him like what we would want to be treated. We'll start doing things right. They do not know or understand the real world. They act as if all, the, all that exists is in the present moment and what lies in hand. That's what, my, that's what, that's what flesh wants. We want, we want satisfying right now. We want everything right now. We live in a right now world where you can just take your phone and you can Google something. or you We want it right now. Or you can take your phone and just order something because you want it right now. You don't have to pay for it any, right now. There's so many things in this world, even they make it so much easier for you can pay for it. Well, you can get it ordered right now and you can pay for it later because that's the mindset we live in. We live in that right now. And, that, and so many times in life we find ourselves just want to satisfy that self right now. Doesn't matter what else, what it what it costs or what it stands by. The next part of that scripture is talking about standing in the way of sinners. Variations of this phrase, the way, were often used in Bible times to describe the, the practices of a religion, lifestyle, or philosophy. Before our own faith was called Christianity, it was called the way throughout the throughout the New Testament. The way of sinners most likely refers to the practice of lifestyle of sinners. Practices are usually predictable on a person's belief. If we believe one way, we will eventually begin to bring our practices or our actions in alignment with our beliefs. So many times in life, you know, we, we believe something. You may say, well, I believe this, but does, does my life show that? Does my life align with what I say that I believe? Because if we really believe something, our life will show that. If we really believe something, we'll show that in our day-to-day walk with God. We say if we believe going to church is, is what we need to be doing, or are we doing that? Are we being faithful? If we believe faithful in this church, are we, are we being faithful? Just using that for a simple, simple example, so many times in life, you know, what we believe is what we're going to show in our life. If we say we have a prayer life, that prayer life will show. So today, I'm just saying today, we must, as we practice something, what we practice, we must preach. What we preach, we must practice. If we truly believe the world will end tomorrow, if we really truly believe that, if we really truly believe that God could come, before the, come back before the sun shines, if we truly believe that, this belief would have a very significant impact on what we do today. If we truly believe that, that God's coming back, if we truly believe that God is completely in control, 
If we truly believe that, that should impact our, how, we, how, we, how we do our day or how we live today. Sinners are people who habitually trespass upon others and upon their creator. They do this because they have too high a regard of their own selves and too little regard of those, those others. They had that, what I was talking about a little bit ago about they had too much care for their self. They love their self more than they do others and, and they, they don't matter what happens to this person if I can just as long as I'm getting what I got. And that's what we truly, when we look at sinners in life, we look at things in our life, we find ourselves, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves just like them. The, the third part of that scripture, verse, first scripture, verse one, is the, talks about sitting in the seat of the scornful. In Bible times, chairs was not common. Meals were usually shared while sitting on the re, in a reclining position on the floor. Today, I'm I'm just here to tell you, I don't I couldn't find that reclining position sitting on the floor comfortable enough to eat. It may be because I've eaten too much and it may be because i got too much between my midsection, but I don't feel like I could get sit down on the floor and feel comfortable. I want, a, I want a chair pulled up to a table to eat. That's a whole other story. But meals in that day was usually shared while sitting on the floor, floor reclining in a floor position. Chairs was considered a luxury. The only people who generally sat in chairs were rulers. If a person was sitting in a chair, he was usually meant that that person was in charge of whatever was going on. You know, and today in church services, here we are today. I'm looking around. I'm the only one standing. <laughs> Everyone's sitting. <laughs> I'm the only one not in charge. But in Bible times, when the scripture, when the scripture was written, we find that if someone was sitting, they were the ones that was in charge. For instance, in the Bible, God is almost always said to be sitting upon the throne. And his angels is always said to be standing, never sitting in his presence. When I was studying this, I, I, and I thought about that, I said, I've never heard, I mean, I never thought about that. But God is always talking about sitting on the throne and everybody else is standing around him. And that, that, is the, that is what the meant by it. To sit in a seat then is to be in char charge. If a person is sitting in a seat of the scornful or the mockers, that means the person is in charge of the mockers. That is those who ridicule the holy things. If you're sitting as the scornful, that means you are in charge of the scornful. The warning that was, be given, that was being given was that a person that went from a, being a novelist listening innocently to the counsel of the wicked people to being the ringleader of the wicked. That's what he was warning them in this scripture. He was saying, if, if you're not careful, just sitting around innocently listening, but if you're sitting, now you're the ringleader of the wicked. If a person starts on the path listening to the ungodly, that person will eventually join the ranks and become one of the people Psalms 1 are warning us about. If we're not careful, we'll find ourselves, finding ourselves in the, in the ringleaders of the wrong. We must avoid the wrong counsel. The Bible says in this verse one, it says there's three, three things. It says walketh, standeth, and sitteth are the three main verbs of this first one. 
Notice the progression. Going from a walking in righteousness to standing to sitting. In other words, there's an extreme inactivity in the lives of the unblessed. We start out just, we start out walking with God. If we're not careful, then we start standing. And before long, we're sitting. Your walk, in other words, your walk with God becomes stagnant. And if we're not careful today in our life, I've been talking about the Bible. It's easy to talk about the Bible. Talk about the people in the Bible and talk about who this is talking to. But this scripture is talking to us today. If we're not careful, even don't matter how high we jump in on Sunday, if we're not careful before the end of the week, our life can be stagnant. Our life can be drifted. We can, we can be going from walking to standing to sitting before we know it. While we rise from one place to another, and it's, it's simultaneously we're grinding to a slow stop in our life if we're not careful. And that's what this scripture is warning us about today. I mean, and I'm here today warning every one of us that we're, we have to be careful. If we're not, we're, we can just be like what this scripture is warning for us if we're not careful because just in a moment before we know it, we can start drifting away from God. Many broken men will testify, testify to this experience. They were rising in the world of man but at the same time, they were hurtling downward toward the bottom of all the important areas in their life. You talk to men, great men that has failed. They were, they were flying high in man's eyes. As, a, as the minister said just yesterday at, our, at the prayer conference, he referred to if, if man put someone up above where they're, where they're called to be, it wouldn't be long before they'll, be, they'll crumble. Because if you go before high where your calling is, or you go higher than what God puts you, you will crumble. It doesn't matter how what you look like in man's eyes, because God knows the truth. God knows where you're accountable to. He knows who you're accountable to and where you will find yourselves. If you're not placed where God places you, you will crumble. They became corporate kings, but at the same time, Men without homes. And so many times in life, you know, that's where they first they start to fall. Is when they get to their place in life, when they, they think they've, they've got it all together. And in reality, so many people are, think they have it all together. Even we think they have it all together. And really, they're just a, just a smoke screen. Before you know it, they're on the bottom. Today in Psalms, go to the next verse, in Psalms 1 and 2. The Bible says, but his delight is the law of the Lord. And, he, and in his law doth he mediate day and night. The blessed person would delight in the law. Not that we know what the blessed man is. No, now we know what the blessed man is not. Let us con consider briefly what he does. He mediates on the day, mediates on the law day and night. This verse does not merely say that he believes the law. Neither does it say that he merely obeys the law. Sometimes in life, you know, we can, we can know what the scripture says. We can even just obey the law. Or we can know what this word of God says. And we can obey it to an extent. 
But the Bible says we must mediate it, meditate on it day and night. Meditate on it day and night. The text actually says he delights in the law. You might ask, well, how could I suppose to make myself delight in God's law? I cannot control my feelings like a flipping a switch. You know, sometimes we say, how can I just make myself delight? Or how can I make myself enjoy this? We cannot flip ourselves, flip on our emotions like a, like a flipping this light switch over here. That, is so, that, is, that statement is true, but we can influence our emotions, emotional response by our habits. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You may ask, how do I treasure the word of God? Our time is the greatest of our natural treasures. Our time, we all, we all cherish amount of time and we all given a certain amount of time. We all know that the scripture says we all have a, a, a amount of time, a certain amount of time in life. And we all use that time how we only use that time. But our time is our most cherished, cherished treasure. If we put our time into knowing and practicing the law of the Lord, we will be putting our treasure into the law. Our, our thoughts become our actions. Our actions becomes our practice. Our practice becomes our habit. And our habit, habit eventually will reinfor- be reinforced by our emotions. Our emotions then will become necessary, necessity. In other words, a delight in God's word forms the same way other delights in life form. If we practice the law of the Lord enough, this practice will become a habit. And once it is a habit, we will find that the habit becomes a delight in, in, on a, in and of itself. Psalms, so in our life, you know, we, we, we become something that becomes a habit in our life. We do it enough, we start enjoying that. And that becomes an emotion. Our emotions takes over when it becomes a habit in our life. We, we can, we, we, we strive to, just like a, a, a husband and wife, when they get married, they say they love each other. But it, that is a process, a day-to-day process. And as they go through life, they, they learn, really learn to love each other. And that is where our relationship with God and, and with the law, we go through things in this life, and that's where our love comes from. We go through trials. We go through sicknesses in our life and everything we go through me and my wife will be married 30 years this next year and and everything we've went through in these past 30 years has built on each other to that love and so today is so that is is how our relationship with God and how our love for this word is everything we go through every time this word corrects us every time this word directs us directs us it changes us and it draws and it builds on us and we build more and more love in that. The next verse is verse three, Psalms one and three. The Bible says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Being fruitful and prosperous. We will be like a tree planted by the river, which means we will not be dependent on the weather of this world for substance. When, we, when we're like a tree, when we plant it by this word, we're not worried about 
what the economy does. We're not worried about what happens in Washington. If you're truly planted by the tree by the word, as this scripture tells us, if we, if we want to be fruitful, we want to be prosperous in this life, we can't be planted by on what this world does because there's going to be seasons and th- times in life that, that's going to test us. Come, when it comes hot summers or the withering, freezing cold winters, our nourishment is not relied on this world. Just like a tree that's planted by the water when a drought, when a river planted on the bank of the river, when a drought comes, there's still water running down that river. It may be a little bit lower, but there's still water. And that tree's still growing. That's, that tree's still there producing fruit because it's close to the source. If it's just depending on if it rains or not, a plant that's dependent on if it rains, sometimes in, you know we, we have plants in our yard and sometimes we forget to water them. Some plants are, some, sometimes, and sometimes our life is like me. Sometimes there's a plant, if I don't water the plant, it dies. And sometimes our, our life, our Christian life, we're just like that plant. We're depending on somebody to remember to come water us if we're not planted in this word. If we're just planted in this, in the, if we planted in the world and we try to do it, just, we, have, we have to depend on everybody else to see if we prosper. And that is, that's why the scripture says we must be, if we want to be, if we want to be fruitful, we must be planted by, like a tree by the, by the river. While others are depending on perfect conditions for happiness, our happiness springs from another source, and that is an internal source, a source that this world cannot affect, a source that doesn't matter what happens in, 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 the, in the election. It doesn't matter what happens here and there in the economy. Our source of happiness comes from eternal things. We bring forth fruit when it's our time and we are content to let such seasons come in God's timing. You know, we, we will produce fruit if we're planted by the river. If you're planted by this word of God, you will produce fruit. And it won't matter what goes and comes in our life. Psalms 1 and 4 and 5, the next two verses is kind of is together. The Bible says the ungodly are not so, but they but are like the chafe which is which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The ungodly are not blessed. That's what the scripture says, the ungodly are not blessed. They're like the chafe the wind drives away. Chafe is, chafe is light, useless material. The farmer sifts from the wheat. A farmer in that time of day or time of or even say today, I mean, it probably has a little more mechanical-wise does it but today, but, but a farmer takes a pitchfork full of wheat and tosses it into the air on a windy day, in the, and the wheat grain falls straight to the ground because it is heavier and got more substance. The chafe is caught in the wind and is carried away. Psalms 1 describes an ungodly as, the ungodly as chafe completely hostage to the forces of nature. The wind that blows when seasons change. And that's where the ungodly, we find ourselves, if we're, we find ourselves completely dependent on the, the nature around us. The ungodly, like the chafe, may have their summers that they prosper in one season. 
But when the season turns to fall, they find themselves completely subject to the force that they once believed they controlled. So just like this chafe, they throw, this farmer throws it up and the, wheat, and the wind separates it. The chafe thought they, could, they had control of everything. They thought they could, they was in control and that's how the ungodly is. Sometimes in life, there's seasons in life that the ungodly seems like they're having it all together. But there's going to be a time when there's going to be a wind come through. There's going to be times in their life when God's going to separate the wheat. And today we, we're going to feed that. God will judge the ungodly. The wind is like God's judgment. As the wind determines the difference between the wheat and the chafe, so does God's judgment determine between the blessed and the ungodly. Everyone, not just one of us, not just some of us, everyone will face this wind. But only the blessed will withstand the wind. The ungodly will be carried away from God's, with God's judgment. And we should not merely think of his judgment as of the end time. Sometimes life, you know, we say, well, God's going to judge us you know, all in one day and if I can make it to that day. But I'm here today to tell you God's judgment comes regular, frequently, fairly regular in our life. The winds of this life blow and these are God's judgments too. We have trials that comes into our life and we say, why does the godly, why does the blessed have trials? God is sifting the wheat. Today, we may be going through something in your life and you may say, well, why am I going through this today? Or maybe you may be being prosperous. You maybe feel like everything's going your way. Either way, God may be sifting the wheat. Today, what, you know, which way are you going to fall? Are you going to blow away with the wind or are you going to fall with the righteous? But the one who has taken counsel from the scripture will be able to withstand whatever we come against. Today, if the, if the world or if God or whatever may be trying to sift you today, it's going to matter where you stand. It's going to matter how you stand. And God is going to judge the, the unrighteousness in everything we do. Psalms 1 and 6, the Bible says, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. God watches over the righteous. He guards and guides us. The, the Bible promises us if we, if we live and we walk in the righteousness, God will look over us. God will take care of us. God blesses the man his, when he lives in a righteousness. The blessed man lives his life with large horizons. Through the blessed one, we'll not always feel, if we're the blessed one, we all may not always feel happy. You know, we say, well, I live a blessed life. And, and as I said in the beginning of my, today, you know, if we think being blessed sometimes or being happy and being prosperous and being this or being that is our mindset of being blessed. You know, we ask sometimes, you know, how, how, are, you, how, is your, how are you doing today? And, and we say, I'm blessed. And sometimes, are we, are we just saying that sometimes? Or sometimes we say that because we, and we may be going through everything to be thrown against us, but we still, I'm blessed. Because we realize, you know, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. So sometimes, you know, our blessings not, don't come just when we're happy, when everything's going our way. We may be going through things. We may be going through a trial. We may be actually mourning, but we are blessed. 
The blessed one is never trapped in the prison of the present. If we're blessed, we're not, never, we're not trapped in what is happening to us today because we're looking at the, the big future, the big picture. If we got our eyes set on eternity and where our eyes should be set on, we're blessed because we're blood-bought. God died on a cross for my sins. See, it doesn't matter what I go through today or how much money I have in my pocket today because I'm a blessed. As they said this weekend, I think this lady from Georgia says she was so poor that she couldn't even put R in the poor. And sometimes we may feel like we're so poor that we can't even get the R in the poor. And so in life, you know, we may feel that way, but we still are blessed. We're blessed because God has bought, paid for our sins. And what you're going through right now is, or what is the present misfortune in your life, I'm here today to tell somebody that's not final. It doesn't matter, may not be what you're going through right now, the trial you're stumbling through, what the doctor's diagnosis is, that's not a final notice. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. He can't, he can't give me bad enough news to say because he, he don't have the final word in my life. He may say, he may give you this negative report. He may give you all this and that and he may tell you and that may be in the physical that he may be 100% right but he don't have the final word. He don't have the final word. Being blessed means living the life in the light of eternity rather than living in the dim lights of this world. So many people feel like in this life, they feel like they live in just in the, high, in the bright lights of this world. They think they're blessed. They think they made it to the, to the top when their name is in the lights. But really, we need to live in the light of eternity and not worry about these dim lights that we live in in this world. If there was one single word that could summarize a person that I want to be in, that is blessed. Everyone, everyone has a defining moment. For James, there were certain individual actions that could measure a person's whole character. When we look through the book of James, we study and we find things in life where he defines moments in our life, defining moments. But these defining moments doesn't have to be final. We might think of these individual actions as samples, samples that reveal what lies in the core of our identity. James taught that the true, the true attitude Toward Jesus in revealing in how we treat those who cannot bless us or hurt us, as I said earlier, how we treat others is a true, true example or a true sample of our life. The one act is a sample representing the whole of one's character, the defining moment that defines the act. We find ourselves in this life, you know, walking a righteous life, walking a life in and, and, and being true with God. And, we, and as I was kind of summarizing where I've been talking today, we, we need to find ourselves not who we can receiving counsel from. And we need to walk a righteous life. And to do that, we must, must take care of God's things and also take care of the things he's entrusted us. Today, I want to share a short, a short a story as I begin to close. But I feel like this is a story that actually the, the lesson shared I just want to share this. I once saw a man with three children worshiping a church service. One child was holding onto the back of the pew, like we probably have seen all of our kids do, and swinging back and forth. 
All the corners of the edges of the old church were hard, wood, stone, and right angles. I was so afraid that the child would fall and crack open her head. So I was anxious watching all this. What made me more, even more anxious was the fact that the child's father was engrossed in worship. His hands upraised, eyes closed, singing while the child came repeatedly within inches of a trip to the hospital. It was not long, though, before the father almost unconsciously started tending to the child. He did the most peculiar thing. He continued to worship, but he worshiped with one hand in the air and one hand behind the child's head, guarding her. He sang and prayed, and without touching the child's head, his protecting hand moved back and forth, inches from the back of her head the whole time. I said to myself, now haven't I just caught a glimpse of a man's soul? Hasn't God just given me this window to look into? Haven't the cloudy present parted and revealed the truth? An unguarded moment when no one seemed to be watching. The father was capable of worshiping God and watching over the child's well-being at the same time. Surely this man will walk with his children one day in glory. I had I just witnessed a man's defining moment. Had I just been what I blessed, had I just seen what a blessed man looks like, a man who meditated upon the Lord, even while tending well to the gifts God had given him. So sometimes in life, you know, here we find just like this father. He was worshiping God. He had his hands lifted. He never, never stopped worshiping God, but he was still tending to his gifts that God had gave him. And sometimes in life we find ourselves that got to be that pure. We got to be that way in life. You know, sometimes in life we got we to gotta worship God, but we also we got to tend to the things in life. How many times in life have we been in this world going through things in life when we, didn't, we could not see that but that end of a hedge of hand of God's hand? That's what I read this story. I'm taking another story onto this, but how many times in my life has God's hand been right there? His hand been right there for, to catch me when I fail. His hand been right there to hold me, p- protect me from the sharp objects, right there to protect me when I didn't even have enough sense to watch for myself. Times in my life when I was drifted away from God and God's hand was still right there. I always contributed it to my grandmother and my mother's prayers that I, that I made it back to God because there's times in my life I can see now looking back where God's hand was right there. His hand was right there just inches away holding me today. So today if we want to walk righteous with God, we got to do things right today. As we stand across here, I want us right now to lift our hands today and let's reach out to him because that, thank him right now for that times in our life when he's just been right there to reach out and Hold us and protect us. Lord, I... This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.